Hello, the internet. The following story takes place in the 26th century, seven or eight hundred years after the events of the short story Malachi's Gambit in my first short story anthology, and about 1300 years before the events of The Final Fall of Man. It is centered around a Blaren thief and escape artist who would one day become a criminal folk hero named Grendel's Grief. again the internet so yeah look the anchor recording system and an editing system is so bad it just keeps clipping out random chunks of this story so you're going to get this now all in one chunk with all the clicks of the mouse and the clicks of the keyboard and the sniffing and the snorting from me sorry about that part five Jathan's carbuncle to the edge of the central colonies was a cryptic sequence of commands, almost a riddle. Where the four roads of light cross, a broken panel in three parts. What is the name of Margan's favourite song? Four roads, four years, four toppled gods of the old world. He sat back and took stock as the grey closed around the little neb. With an alliance with the Wicked Sisters, even an implied one, a lot of his difficulties melted away. It would be premature to say that the Gazel Major Syndicate was as good as dealt with, but it would be a major step in that direction. Provenant circa 11th century and Babellum Voom didn't just oversee or otherwise control such nasty corners of space as Mupaska and Happyface, the Kingdom of Clandersnap and Exadia's Ironclad Range, all of whom had been points of contact he'd been considering. They had their fingers in just about every shadow organization outside of Gazel Major, with a few fingers left over for the Syndicate itself, but on the understanding that those fingers would be deftly withdrawn at the opportune moment. That was a sacrifice on their part, and he knew they wouldn't make it just for the sake of his vengeance. That was fine. If they had their own reasons, he was ready to take advantage of the opportunity. With the Wicked Sisters' support, he didn't need to reach out to the rest of those groups. Their assistance could be assumed. But before he could make such a boast, he needed to steal a ship from a deeply weird Blyron cult. He didn't know much about the Po Chain, except that they were eccentric. When you were talking about a trade and transport mogul or a member of the Aquilaran nobility, eccentric meant that they ate their meals in a funny way, or occasionally needed a fixer to come in and make inconvenient dead bodies disappear. When you were talking about a Blaren tribe, eccentric might mean they were more machine enhancement than flesh, or hunted their enemies for sport. The Po Chain were apparently towards the harmless end of this scale, but there were still stories about them and their history was a closed yet bloody book. The fact that they had a ship called Flesh Eater was really all grief needed to know. No good could come of a ship with a name like Flesh Eater. Aside from that, all he needed to know was where the Pochain were, because somewhere on the border didn't narrow down much. The central colonies didn't even have an inner border. They had borders elsewhere, because there were wars and disputes taking place along them, but on the core side there were just worlds that were agreed to be central colonies, and worlds that weren't, and a dotted line on a map that went in between them. The only place there was a border, in fact, was St. Bort's Fish, 
and it was here he dropped out of soft space. An executive level comm channel opened me a minutes after the fish and the Lil Neb exchanged electronic nods. He was still decelerating and moving into a holding pattern around the large disc-shaped space station, examining the extensions and improvements that had been made since his last visit. Frowning a little at the dark scarring from some sort of weapons fire visible on the hull to his ship's scanners. Grief? The familiar single-toned voice of a human preceded the appearance of Veronica Barney Loop on his viewscreen. Is that bloody hell? Hello, V, Grief said, grinning at the deep-eyed, tiny-mouthed face of his human friend, staring at him in shock from within its frame of crazed head fur. Still got a docking blister for me? Yeah, she said, and shook her head. Yeah, I... yeah, sending you the coordinates to Bazanda's Landing. I'll meet you there. She stared at him again, then gave a loud monkey hoot of laughter. You can tell me why you're all done up like the magnificent wanky pants. Bazanda's Landing, he smiled as he tapped in the docking coordinates. He'd met the Barney Loops, Veronica's mothers in fact, as V had only been a baby at the time, in the 2460s when they'd lived in Hapstan's Tower. There'd been a connection he'd made through his father, Morrigan Bazander, and the dock reserve for visiting dignitaries was named in the old swindler's honour. V's mother had known grief as Mora Fastel, but Veronica had only ever known him as Grendel's grief, and she hadn't, he realised, seen him since he'd had some of his more extreme augmentations made. It had probably been a surprise. St. Bort's Fish was a weird combination of trading posts, stopover waypoint and tourist attraction. The Barney Loops had converted through three upper decks into a trap-filled labyrinth worthy of Hapstan's tower itself, partly out of homesickness and partly to attract visitors of a certain shady quality. Many a covert deal had gone down in the hidden chambers of the fish, and many a troublesome individual had fallen afoul of its traps. They were non-lethal. The fish was a legitimate establishment. But when you made a mistake on a job, got drunk on shore leave, woke up inside the maze and finally crawled out onto the staging deck, you did so with an earnest desire not to make a mistake on your next job. To this day, Grief had no idea what St. Bort's fish was, but anyone to make it to the centre of the labyrinth and back out got a little commemorative plaque with a fish on it, and their name carved on St. Bort's wall of fame on the staging deck. He supposed that was explanation enough. If you didn't want to brave the maze, there was also a brightly painted line across the middle of the main tourist and hospitality deck, and you could have a print made of yourself standing with one foot in the central colonies and the other in the cancer's backyard, as central folks rather dramatically called the inner systems of six species space. Veronica met him at the dock, which was lavish but completely deserted aside from a quintet of sleek robotic concierges flanking the red carpeted gangway, two on either side and one over by a doorway leading off to a reception area. Grief! Whatever her reservations about his appearance, the solid, muscular little primate flung herself at him and rocked him back on his heels with a ferocious hug. Fucking hell! She stepped back and looked up at him, her eyes leaking happy human excretions. Look at you! You like it? He spread his arms, showing off his enhanced black epidermis and its silver fixtures and markings. It's very nice, she laughed. What's it do? Everything the magnificent wanky pants can do, only better, Grief asserted. V laughed again, and looked down pointedly at his crotch. Humans were charmingly simple creatures. Except for the actual detail of the pants, he elaborated. Where do you keep your thieving tools? V asked in wide-eyed innocence. Grief smiled, turned around, and let several of his manipulator filaments extend from his shoulders and back. He curved them out and shaped them into a delicate silver framework like wings. V gasped satisfactorily, and then he reeled them back in and turned to face her once again. 
I like what you've done with your fur, too, he said. V blinked and reached up to touch her mane, which was as wild and frazzled as he remembered, only a pleasant silver-grey colour in place of the black she'd sported on their last meeting. She gave a snort. What, she said. You mean the way it went white in the past 35 years because I'm an old-ass woman now? Why, thank you, Grief. It can't be 35 years, Grief scoffed. It feels like only a few weeks ago Dad and I were out here to divide up the chitties from the Coriel job. Veronica looked up at him again, then sighed and shook her head. Sometimes I hate you damned batheads, she said affectionately. Come on, let's get a drink in before I die of old age and you look at your watch in mild fucking surprise. Podcasting service provided by Anchor. Introductory music provided by Anchor. It was called House of Grendel, so I had to use it. Original music composed by Oliver St. John, with a little bit of help from various Strausses. You can find all of my books on Amazon under the name Andrew Hindle, and you can find the blog that this whole podcast came from at www.hatboy.blog. That's it. That's the credits.